Chapter Twelve of the Enchanted Barn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gail Mattern. The Enchanted Barn by Grace Livingston Hill. Chapter Twelve. When Shirley came down to the street at five o'clock, Graham was waiting for her as he promised, and swung the car door open for her with as much eagerness as if he were taking the girl of his choice on a picnic instead of just doing a poor little stenographer a kindness. I telephoned to the store and sent a message to George. We're going to pick him up on our way, he said as the car wended its way skillfully through the traffic. She was sitting beside him, and he looked down at her as if they were partners in a pleasant scheme. A strange sense of companionship with him thrilled through her, and was properly rebuked and fled at once, without really rippling the surface of her joy much. She had determined to have the pleasure out of this one evening ride at least, and would not let her thoughts play truant to suggest what wider, sweeter realms might be for other girls. She was having this good time. It was for her and no one else, and she would just enjoy it as much as she could, and keep it the sweet, sane, innocent pleasure that it really was. If she was not a fool, everything would be all right. George was waiting in a quiver of pride and eagerness for them as they swept up to the employee's entrance, and a line of admiring fellow laborers stood gaping on the sidewalk to watch his departure. "'Aw, oh, gee, isn't this great!' shouted George, climbing into the back seat hilariously. "'Got a whole omnibus of a car this time, haven't you?' "'Yes. I thought we'd have plenty of room for your mother, so she could lie down if she liked.' "'That was very kind of you,' murmured Shirley. "'You think of everything, don't you? "'I'm sure I don't see how we ever could have managed without your help. "'I should have been frightened a dozen times and been ready to give up.' "'Not you,' said Graham fervently. "'You're the kind that never gives up. "'You've taught me several valuable lessons.' "'As they turned the corner into the old street where the little brick house stood, "'Shirley suddenly began to have a vivid realization "'that she had told her mother nothing whatever about Mr. Graham.' What would she think, and how could she explain his presence? She had expected to get there before Graham arrived, and have time enough to make her mother understand. But now she began to realize that her real reason for leaving the matter yet unexplained was that she did not know just what to say without telling the whole story from beginning to end. "'I'll hurry in and see if mother is all ready,' she said, as the car stopped in front of the house, and the children rushed out eagerly, Doris just behind the others, to see the bouffe "'Mother,' said Shirley, slipping softly into the house and going over to the bed, where she lay with hat and coat on, fully ready. "'Mother, I shan't have time to explain all about it, but it's all right, so don't think anything. Mr. Graham, the man who owns the place where we are going, has been kind enough to offer to take you in his car. He thinks it will be easier for you than the trolley, and he is out at the door now, waiting. It's perfectly all right. He has been very kind about it. "'Oh, daughter, I couldn't think of troubling anyone like that,' said the mother, shrinking from the thought of a stranger. But looking up, she saw him standing, hat in hand, just in the doorway. The children had led him to the door when he offered to help their mother out to the car. "'Mother, this is Mr. Graham,' said Shirley. Mrs. Hollister, a little pink spot on each cheek, tried to rise, but the young man came forward instantly and stooped over her. "'Don't try to get up, Mrs. Hollister.' "'Your daughter tells me you haven't been walking about for several weeks. "'You must reserve all your strength for the journey. "'Just trust me. I'm perfectly strong, and I can lift you and put you into the car "'almost without your knowing it. "'I often carry my own mother upstairs just for fun, "'and she's quite a lot larger and heavier than you. "'Just let me put my hand under your back so, and now this hand here. 
now if you'll put your arms round my neck yes yes that way no don't be afraid i'm perfectly strong and i won't drop you little mrs hollister cast a frightened look at her daughter and another at the fine strong face bent above her felt herself lifted like thistledown before she had had time to protest and found herself obediently putting her weak arms around his neck and resting her frightened head against a strong shoulder a second more and she was lying on the soft cushions of the car and the young man was piling pillows about her and tucking her up with soft furry robes are you perfectly comfortable he asked anxiously i didn't strain your back or tire you did i oh no indeed said the bewildered woman you are very kind and i hardly knew what you were doing till i was here i never dreamed of anything like this shirley didn't tell me about it no said the young man smiling she said she wanted to surprise you and i believe she thought you might worry a little if you heard the details of the journey now kitten are you ready to get in he turned a smiling face to doris who stood solemnly waiting her turn with an expression of one who at last sees the gates of the kingdom of heaven opening before her happy eyes sure said doris in a tone as like harley's as possible she lifted one little shabby shoe and tried to reach the step but failed and then surrendered her trusting hands to the young man and he lifted her in beside her mother sit there kitten till your sister comes out he said looking at her flower face admiringly doris giggled i ain't a kitty she declared i's a little girl well little girl do you like to go riding sure i do like to go riding said doris oh there goes mother's bed as the drayman came out carrying the headboard shirley meanwhile was working rapidly putting the last things from her mother's bed into the box tossing things into the empty clothes basket that had been left for this purpose and directing the man who was taking down the bed and carrying out the boxes and baskets at last all the things were out of the house and she was free to go she turned for one swift moment and caught a sob in her throat there had not been time for it before it had come when she saw the young man stoop and lift her mother so tenderly and bear her out to the car but the children were calling her loudly to come she gave one happy dab at her eyes with her handkerchief to make sure no tears had escaped and went out of the little brick house for ever a little middle seat had been turned down for carol and doris was in her lap graham turned the other middle seat down for shirley the boys piled in to the front seat with him and they were off mrs hollister in her wonder over it all completely forgot to look back into what she had been wont to call in the stifling days of summer her frying-pan or to wonder whether she were about to jump into the fire she just lay back on her soft cushions softer than any she had ever rested upon before and felt herself glide along away from the hated little dark house for ever it was a wonderful experience it almost seemed as if a chariot of fire had swooped down and gathered all her little flock with her and was carrying them to some kind of gracious heaven where comfort would be found at last a bit of hope sprang up within her utterly unpremeditated and unreasonable and persisted so that she could not help but feeling happy as yet it had not come to her to wonder who this handsome young man was that presumed to lift her and carry her like a baby and move her on beds of down to utterly unknown regions she was too much taken up with the wonder of it all if doris hadn't been prattling asking questions of her and the light breeze hadn't flapped a lock of hair into her eyes and tickled her nose she might have thought she was dreaming so utterly unreal did it all seem to her 
and now they passed out from the narrow streets through crowded thoroughfares for a brief space then out beyond and free into the wider reaches fair houses and glimpses of green were appearing the car was gliding smoothly for the sake of the invalid not going at high speed and she could see on every side the trees were in full leaf the sky was large and blue the air was filled with freshness she drew a long breath and closed her eyes to pray oh my father and then opened them again to see whether it was all true shirley sensitive for her to the slightest breath turned and drew the robes closer about her mother and asked whether she were perfectly warm and whether she wanted another pillow under her head graham did not intrude himself upon the family behind him he was absorbed in the two boys who were entirely willing to be monopolized he told them all about the car and discoursed on the mysteries of the different makes with a freedom that gave george the impression that he was himself almost a man to be honored by such talk it was nearly seven o'clock when they reached glenside and the big stone barn came in sight for they had travelled slowly to make it easier for the invalid elizabeth had sighted the car far down the road below the curve and switching on every electric light in the place she fled down the ladder to the basement dragging the willing jenkins after her here they waited with bated breath until the family had gone inside when they made their stealthy way out the east end across the little brook under the fence and down the road to be picked up by the car according to previous arrangement as the car came in sight of the barn a deep silence suddenly fell upon the little company even doris felt it and ceased her prattle to look from one to another what's the matter she asked shirley shyly putting out her hand to pat shirley's face in a way she had when she was uneasy or troubled what's the matter shirley but shirley only squeezed her hand reassuringly and smiled as they drew near the young people noticed that the bars of the fence in front of the barn had been taken down and the ditch filled in smoothly then they saw that the car was turning in and going straight up the grassy incline to the door mrs hollister lying comfortably among her cushions was looking at the evening sky hearing a bird that reminded her of long ago and scarcely noticed they had turned off until the car stopped then in silent joy the children swarmed out of the car and with one consent stood back and watched mother as the strong young man came to the open door and gathered her in his arms once more now we're almost home mrs hollister he said pleasantly just put your arms round my neck once more and we'll soon have you beside your own fire he lifted her and bore her into the wide couch before the crackling fire that elizabeth had started just before she went to look out the door the last time then into the blazing light of the transformed barn they all stepped and every one stood back and stared blinking what was this what wondrous perfume met their senses what luxury what flowers what hangings they stood and stared and could not understand and between them they forgot to wonder what their mother was thinking or to do a thing but stupidly stare and say why and oh and ah half under their breath just phone me if you need anything miss hollister please i shall be glad to serve you said graham stepping quickly over to the door mrs hollister i hope you'll be none the worse for your ride and he slipped out the door and was gone the sound of the car softly purring its way backward down the slope brought shirley out of her daze but when she turned and understood that he was gone the car was just backing into the road turning with a quick whirl and was away before she could make him hear oh he's gone she cried out turning in dismay to the children he's gone and we never thanked him 
George was out down the road like a shot, and the rest, forgetful for the moment of the invalid, who had been the great anxiety all day, crowded at the door to watch him. They could hear the throbbing of the machine. They heard it stop down the road and start again almost immediately, growing fainter with every whir as it went farther from them. In a moment more, George came running back. "'He's gone. He meant to, I guess, so we could have it all to ourselves right at first. Elizabeth and the man were down the road waiting for him. They've been dolling the place up to surprise us.' "'Oh!' said Shirley, turning to look around, her cheeks growing rosy. "'Oh! Isn't it beautiful?' Then, turning swiftly to the couch and kneeling, she said, "'Oh, mother!' "'What does it all mean, daughter?' asked the bewildered mother, looking about on the great room that seemed a palace to her sad eyes. But they all began to clamor at once, and she could make nothing of it. "'Oh, Shirley, look at the curtains! Aren't they perfectly dear?' cried Carol ecstatically. "'Perfectly dear!' echoed Doris, dancing up and down gleefully. "'And here's a card, with love from Elizabeth. Isn't it sweet of her? Isn't she a perfect darling?' "'Who is Elizabeth?' asked Mrs. Hollister, rising to her elbow and looking around. "'Gee, look at the flowers,' broke in George. "'It's like our store at Easter. I say, those lilies are pretty keen, aren't they, Cheryl?' "'Wait till you see the dining-room.' called Harley, who was investigating with the help of his nose. "'Some supper-table! Come on, quick! I'm starved! Hello! Hustle here, quick! Here's another signboard!' They followed to the dining-room. Harley, still following his nose, pursued his investigations to the kitchen, discovered the source of the savory odors that were pervading the place, and raised another cry, so appreciative that the entire family, with the exception of the invalid, followed him and found the supper steaming hot and crying to be eaten. After the excitement was somewhat quieted, Shirley took command. "'Now, children, you're getting Mother all excited, and this won't do. And besides, we must eat this supper right away before it spoils. Quiet down, and bring the hot things to the table while I get Mother's things off. Then we will tell her all about it. There's plenty of time, you know. We're going to stay right here all summer.' "'Ah, gee, can't we bring Mother out to the table?' pleaded George. "'Harley and I could lift that couch just as easy.' "'Why, I don't know,' said Shirley, hesitating. "'You know she isn't strong, and she will worry about you lifting her.' "'Oh, Shirley, let her come,' pleaded Carol. "'We could all take hold and wheel the couch out here. "'You know the floor is real smooth since those new boards were put in, "'and those are good casters on the couch.' "'Mother, mother, you're coming out to supper,' they chorused, "'rushing back to the living room, "'and before the invalid realized what was happening, "'her couch was being wheeled carefully, gleefully into the brilliantly lighted dining-room, with Doris like a fairy sprite, dancing attendance and shouting joyously, "'Mud is coming to suppy! Mud is coming to suppy again!' The mother stared in amazement at the royally spread table, so smothered in flowers that she failed to recognize the cracked old blue dishes. "'Children, I insist!' She raised her voice above the happy din. "'I insist on knowing immediately what all this means. Where are we and what is this? A hotel?' "'And who was the person who brought us here? "'I cannot eat anything, nor stay here another minute until I know. "'People can't rent houses like this for ten dollars a month anywhere, "'and I didn't suppose we had come to charity, "'even if I am laid up for a few days.' "'Shirley could see the hurt in her mother's eyes "'and the quick alarm in her voice, "'and came around to her couch, smiling. "'Now, mother dear, we'll tell you the whole thing. "'It isn't a hotel we're in, and it isn't a house at all. "'It's only an old barn.' "'A barn?' 
Mrs. Hollister sat up on her couch alertly and looked at the big bowl of roses in the middle of the table, at the soft, flowing curtains at the window, and the gray pot of Easter lilies on the little stand in front, and exclaimed, Impossible! But it is really, mother, just a grand old stone barn. Look at the walls. See, those two over there are just rough stones, and this one back of you is a partition made of common boards. That's only an old brown denim curtain over there to hide the kitchen, and we've got the old red chenille curtains up to partition off the bedrooms. The boys are going to sleep up in the hayloft, and it's going to be just great. Mrs. Hollister looked wildly at the stone walls back at the new partition, recognized one by one the ancient chairs, the old bookcase now converted into a china closet, the brown denim curtain that had once been a cover for the dining-room floor in the little brick house. Now it was washed and mended, and was doing its faded part to look like a wall and fit into the scheme of things. She darted questioning glances at the wealth of flowers and the abundantly set table, then settled back on her pillow, but half satisfied. "'They don't have curtains in a barn,' she remarked dryly. "'Those are a present from Elizabeth, the little sister of the landlord. She was out here with him when he came to see about things, and she got acquainted with Carol.' She has put up those curtains and brought the flowers and fixed the table for a surprise. See, mother? And Shirley brought the card on which Elizabeth had printed her crude welcome. Mrs. Hollister took the card as if it were some sort of a life preserver and smiled with relief. But this is a great deal to do for strangers, she said tremblingly, and tears began to glitter in her eyes. They must be wealthy people. Yes, mother, I think they are, said Shirley, and they have been most kind. But, daughter, wealthy people do not usually take the trouble to do things like that for nothing, and ten dollars a month for a barn could be nothing to them. I know, mother, but he seems very well satisfied with the price, said Shirley with a troubled brow. I— Something's burning! yelled Harley at the top of his lungs from the kitchen, and immediately they all rushed out to rescue the supper, which took that moment to assert itself. Now, mother, said Shirley, coming in with a big tureen of soup, we've got to eat this supper or it will spoil. You're not to ask another question till we are through. They all settled expectantly down at the table, Doris climbing joyously onto her high chair, calling, Suppy, suppy, oh, goody! Such a clatter and clamor, such shoutings over the sandwiches, and such jumpings up and down to carry something to mother, such lingering over the delicious ice cream and fresh strawberries that were found in the freezer. Think of it! real strawberries for them that time of year then when they had eaten all they could and began to realize that it was time to get mother to bed they pushed the chairs back and all fell to clearing off the table and putting things away it was carol who discovered the big roasted fowl and the bowl of salad set away in the tiny ice-box ready for to-morrow how had elizabeth who never kept house in her life known just what would be nice for a family that were all tired out with moving and needed to lie back and rest before started on with living. The dishes were almost washed when the cart arrived with the last load of things, and the drayman helped George to put up Mother's bed. They wheeled the couch into the living room after the big doors were closed and safely fastened for the night. Before the glowing fire, Shirley helped Mother to undress, then rolled her couch into the bedroom and got her to bed. "'Do you mind very much that it is only a barn, Mother dear?' questioned Shirley, bending anxiously over her mother after she was settled. "'I can't make it seem like a barn, dear. It seems a palace,' said the mother with a tremble in her voice. "'I'm glad it's a barn, because we could never afford a house with space like this, and air. 
She threw out her hands as if to express her delight in the wide rooms, and drew in a breath of the delicious country air, so different from air of the dusty little brick house in the city. Daughter, she drew Shirley down where she could whisper to her, you're sure he's not looking on us as objects of charity, and you're sure he understands that you are a self-respecting girl, earning her honorable living and paying her way. You know this is a wicked, deceitful world we live in, and there are all sorts of people in it. Mother dear, I'm sure, sure as anybody could be. He has been a perfect gentleman. You didn't think he looked like one of those, those people that go around misunderstanding girls, did you, mother? The mother remembered the gentle, manly way in which the young man had lifted her and carried her to and from the car, and her heart warmed to him. Yet her fears lingered as she watched her sweet-eyed girl. No, she answered slowly, but then you can't always judge. He certainly was a gentleman, and he was very nice-looking. Then she looked sharply at Shirley. You won't go to getting any notions in your head, dear child. Her eyes were wistful and sad as she searched the sweet, weary face of the girl. You know rich young men follow whims sometimes for a few days. They don't mean anything. I wouldn't want your heart broken. I wish he was an old man with white hair. Oh, mother dear, laughed Shirley, with heart-free ring to her voice. Did you think you had a young fool for a daughter? He was only being nice because he is a perfect gentleman. But I know he is not in the same universe as I am so far as anything more than pleasant kindliness is concerned. We shall probably never see him again now that we are settled. But don't you think I ought to go and telephone thanks to his little sister? They will be home by this time, and it seems as if we ought to make some acknowledgment of her great kindness. By all means, dear, but how can you? Is there a pay station near here? I thought you said this was out in the country. Why, we have a telephone of our own, mother dear. Just think of the luxury of it, us, with a telephone. Mr. Graham had it put into the barn when he was making some repairs, so he could communicate with his workmen, and he said if we would like it, we might keep it. It is one of those pay-as-you-go phones with a place to drop nickels and dimes in, so we are perfectly independent. Mr. Graham thought it would be a comfort to you when George or I had to stay late in town. How thoughtful of him! He must be a wonderful rich man. By all means telephone at once, and tell the little girl to say to her brother from me that I shall esteem it a privilege to thank him personally for all that he has done for my children, some time when he is out this way. Think, a real rose by my bed. She reached out a frail hand and touched the exquisite petals lovingly. It's wonderful. So Shirley went into the living room to telephone, while all the children stood about to watch and comment and tell her what to say. Doris sat on a little cushion at her feet in awe, and listened, asking Carol with large eyes, "'Is Shirley talking to God? Why doesn't she shut her eyes?' For Shirley's conversation over the telephone sounded to the little sister much like a prayer of thanksgiving, only she was not accustomed to hearing that joyous laughter in the voice when people prayed. Then Doris was put to bed in her own little crib, and the light in Mother's room was switched off amid Doris's flood of questions. "'What makes it light?' Why did it go away? Will it turn again? At last she was asleep, and the other children tiptoed excitedly about, preparing for bed, going up and downstairs softly, whispering back and forth for this or that they could not find, till quiet settled down upon the tired, happy household, and the bullfrogs in the distant creek droned out the nightly chorus. End of chapter 12